0: Good morning, Thrive Church. How's everybody doing this morning? We are glad that you're here. Man, it's a good spirit that's in this place. I want to introduce myself. If you've not met me, my name is Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor of this awesome, awesome church. And we're so glad that you're here with us. For those who are watching online in the 715 area code, and you've been checking us out for quite a while, we look forward to the day we can meet with you in person and uh, we're just excited. I just if, if you're new here, we just want you to know what kind of church we are. We are a spirit-led. We are a mission-driven. We are a people-loving. We are a servant-hearted, growth-minded church that is on a mission to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. Can we have all of our life-giving followers of Jesus, please give a shout-out to God this morning. We're glad that you're here. And you just watched this video here, we're excited, we're in kind of this uh, this mission mode that in in, this, in the spirit of thanksgiving, one of the things we're going to talk about here in our new sermon series is about giving. And we have an opportunity to change the world, yes we do. We have the opportunity through the, the ministry of Convoy of Hope, how many of you ever heard of Convoy of Hope before? This is a ministry that shows up in disasters all around the world, and I've been on mission trips where I've... Have partnered with them, and so we are putting out a challenge here. And on the Sunday, we're going to ask you. The Sunday before Thanksgiving, I believe that's the twenty fourth. Somebody help me here on the date on that. I believe it is the twenty fourth. We are going to ask you. We're going to challenge you, the church, to respond to the one day challenge, and we're going to challenge you to take one day of your wages. And let that be an offering unto the Lord to help change the destiny of somebody's world. And we're going to just put that challenge out for you uh, because we are blessed to be a blessing. We are gifted to give. And so uh, there is envelopes out there uh, in the lobby as you leave today. If you have more questions, please come up and talk to us about that. Also, I want to announce, I communicated this last week. We are going to have a special business meeting next Sunday. Uh, After the service And this is for our members And all really who want to come And kind of hear what's going on But here's the scoop of what's happening Uh, We had uh, somebody who uh, came We have an inspections done Of our AC and our heating units And uh, these are all on top of the roof here And we were told That three of our nine units Are to be shut off Because they are not safe to run And that was fun to hear that That was an exciting news And so we have just recently refinanced the mortgage on this church and we got a better rate and and, and we've lowered the, the time on that, but we are looking at the idea of possibly Uh, the cost of these units, rolling that into our mortgage, but we need the church's uh, approval on that. And I just want you to know, when you have a special business meeting, that is the only topic that we will be talking about. So uh, I know that some of you might have other things that you would like to talk about. That's when you pick up the phone or text the pastor and say, hey, can I come and meet with you to talk about those things, okay? So that's what I just want to make that announcement for all of our members. All of our members, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I'm looking forward to having this discussion with you next week and looking forward. And wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if just God just showed up and said, hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. Wouldn't it be great next week we, we show up at the business meeting and say, guess what God did? Not only did he take care of those heating and air conditioning units that you have problems with, but he has taken care of the mortgage of this church. Wouldn't that be great? How many of you would join me in prayer and say, God, will you just make that go away? Because we've got some other missions-minded things that we need to take care of. So you know what? Why don't we just do that right now? Father God, Je- your word says that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And so we're asking you, Lord... These things are just things. This is a tool, this building you've given us as a tool to use for your kingdom work. And so we're asking that Jehovah Jireh, you would provide for this need in this situation. And God, while you're at it, just eliminate the debt that is owed, Father, so that those resources can go towards your kingdom and your glory. So we give you praise. In Jesus' name and everyone said? Amen. And let's continue to pray. Let's give him praise for what he's going to do in this situation. So happy Thanksgiving. We are in the season of Thanksgiving. And Michelle and I want to say thank you. So many of you have reached out to us and you sent us cards for pastor appreciation. You gave us gifts. So thank you. Thank you very much. This is Generous church that you blessed us with. And how many of you, you still send thank you notes, handwritten thank you notes to people. How many of you do that? Again, some of you, you did that. But I know t- times have changed, Times have changed a little bit, and some people are getting getting, a little get used to, but there's some change. And here's the, the changes that are happening, happening on social media. That's where the changes are happening. And there's this thing called a meme. How many of you know what a meme is, all right? These memes. And so I want you to notice a lot of people have gotten away from writing handwritten notes, but there's this kind of popular thing to express thank you to people, through a meme. And so I just kind of went, went online here and found some of, my favorite, some of my favorite memes. I hope none of these offend you, but I kind of found them just a little interesting here. But let me just show you here some interesting memes, ways of people of saying thank you. Thank you. You have good skills. Okay. Uh, next one. Some some people are like that. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Next one, next you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wouldn't it be great to receive a meme like that? Another one here. Thank you for being there, even when things get a little crazy. How many of you that, that looks like your family member? All right, next one. I will find you, and I will thank you. (laughs) If you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about there. All right, the next one. Thank you very much. That is very sweet. Thank you very much. the next one here. I don't always say thank you, but when I do, you're welcome. (laughs) And the next one. Thank you, dear, sweet baby Jesus. We need to give Jesus a, a praise and a thanks you. And then the last one, I believe... Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and so we're in the spirit of thanksgiving. Do we, that one, was that one working the, every once in a while? You got this, you go ahead and show that, that one again, Michael. Yeah, there you go. That wonderful aunt that you have who likes to just say thank you and with a kiss. Um, but so if you receive one of these memes in your inbox, it is just like somebody had handwritten you a thank you card. And so be thankful for that, that meme that you receive. So we are in a new sermon series, and we're calling it Thanksgiving. We're kind of playing off that word, Thanksgiving. And really, it's, we're going to be talking about living a life of gratitude. Living a life of gratitude. I believe uh, within most of us, there is this inner urge to give thanks, and then there's also this inner desire to receive thanks for, for things that we have done, right? Am I right on that? We have this urge to say, Thank you. Thank you very much for doing. I hope that you have that urge. But we also have this desire to receive thanks for a work that has been done. And so here's, here's the focus verse that we're going to be focusing in, in this, on this sermon series here called Thanksgiving, Romans 12.1. The Apostle Paul says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, that's what we are in the family of God, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Now, in some other versions, it uses the phrase, a living sacrifice. Give, be a living sacrifice to God. So instead of giving something to God that is dead or it's going to fade away, why don't we give something to God that is alive and life-giving? So Paul says, you know, instead of just, you know, there's normal sacrifice, and that's really nice, that's, you know, you're worshiping God like that, but why don't you, how about this? Why don't we thank God with our lives, with the way that we live our lives? Give God something that he can use. And then why? He answers the question, why? Why? Because of all he has done for you. We give thanks to God because of all that he's done for you. And then he says, let this life be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable And this is truly the way to worship him. Now, in the Old Testament times, the Israelites would periodically just stop what they're doing because they just saw a God miracle. They saw God show up in just an incredible way. How many of you have seen God show up in an incredible way in your life? And they would recognize that that was a God thing. And they would stop. And they would have this. They would have this sacrifice of thanksgiving, and the Hebrew word is "tudah." Tudah. Just look at your neighbor and say "tudah," "tudah," and that means we would give a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and it was a thanksgiving offering uh, given to God to show Him. It was any time a miracle would happen, or when God would redeem a situation, or save somebody from peril. And it's so many times we see uh, in, the, in the Exodus story where God rescued the Israelites from the Egyptians at the Red Sea. How many of you remember that story? And God closed the Red Sea, and he rescued him. And they stopped, and they had a to-da moment. And they just sang out this praise of thanksgiving to God. They gave him thanks. And so Paul's challenge is to us. In the spirit of Tuda, he says, because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, whether you realize it or not, he rescued you, and he redeemed you. He saved you. You were heading to hell, and God saved you, and he, gave, he rescued the world, and he gave the world freedom. And so instead of offering God maybe something that is dead or something that is going to fade away, how about this idea? Why don't you give him your life? Give him a living sacrifice as a way of expressing your thanks and your praise to God. Here's the big idea. you want to get anything out of this message, here's the big idea. Your gratitude is demonstrated through your give. Your gratitude is always demonstrated through your give. We were in a restaurant the other night, and the service was... Pretty good, and we wanted to say thank you to this person. So, a tip the per- per- people who, who bought our meal for us a tip was given to gratitude because your gratitude is demonstrated through your gift. Today, I want to talk about having an attitude of gratitude. What does it mean to have an attitude of gratitude? Let me ask you this morning are you a thankful person? Are you generally happy or content? Are you are you grateful? Are you living a life of gratitude? How many of you have ever had your parents say, Don't give me that attitude? Don't give me that attitude. But how many of you have also been in a workplace or been in an environment environment before? And the attitude was joyful and it was exciting. And it was momentum, and it was great to be around. And people were just so grateful. They just feel so blessed to be in their workplace. How many of you that describes your workplace? They're just so grateful to be there, all right? But it, and sometimes it only takes just one person to come in and like, man, I am so excited to be here today. How many of you you, you, you have a person like that in your workplace? And it's kind of obnoxious, but it's kind of life-giving, right? It's kind of life-giving. And that's what gratitude is. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful. It's a quality, being thankful. You know, psychologist Hans Sahl said this. He says that, that sincere gratitude is the, is the healthiest of all human emotions to have a, an attitude of gratitude. It produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. In fact, Dennis Prager, he's an author and radio host, he said this, that gratitude is the key to happiness in life, having a spirit of gratitude. He says this. He says, there is a secret to happiness, and it is gratitude. All happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people... They cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain. But it is truer to say that it is complaining that leads people to become unhappy. Become grateful, and you will become a much happier person. So he explains this is why the Bible places so much emphasis on thanking God, giving God thanks. God, listen to me, God doesn't need our gratitude. We need, we need to give gratitude to be happy in life. Let me say that one more time. God doesn't need your gratitude. We are the ones who need to give gratitude to be happy in life. So if there's an attitude that bothers me the most, if there's an attitude that bothers me the most, it is an un. Grateful attitude. Anybody know of somebody? How many of you are sitting next to it? Never mind. Never mind. Sometimes, uh, you know, if if you're a parent, you can be raising a, a toddler. And sometimes toddlers, in their immaturity, can demonstrate an ungrateful attitude, and you give them what they want, and they want more, and it's not enough, and it's not the right color, and it's not the right flavor, it's not the right taste. How many of you are living that dream right now? You're living in that miracle world, and sometimes there's just nothing that you can do to make them happy. And again, in their immaturity, it's just a demonstrated their ungratefulness, and isn't it interesting how sometimes it's our immaturity that keeps us in that place of ungratefulness. Whether you realize it or not, listen to me, whether you realize it or not, you are living the blessed life. I don't know if you've ever been outside the country of the United States, but when you go outside the country, you you realize how blessed you truly are. Most of us, we came from pretty decent homes this morning. Aren't you glad that, that we got to sleep in an extra hour this morning? Thank you, Jesus. I got attitude of gratitude just for that right there. Most of you, just—you're all of us, are wearing nice clothes here. Yeah, I did see somebody who was wearing Chicago Bears per, uh, scarf here today. We're praying for you. Just... <laughs> Most of you have reliable transportation, clean water, and healthy, healthy food. We have quality health care and education. I'm telling you, we are living the blessed life by living in this country. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget. If we're not careful, then we can take these blessings for granted. Let me, let me read a story for you in Luke chapter 17, it's kind of an interesting story where Jesus encounters some people. He encounters both ungratefulness and gratefulness for people and their blessings. It talks about this. He says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, the life of a leper, if you know people who have the disease called leprosy, we don't hear much about it today, but back in those days, it was a common illness among people. And if you would discover that you had leprosy, you were cast out of the community, and you would go and live in this leper community. And it's just kind of a terrible disease, and I won't get into to all of it, but, but it's, just, it's, it's a long, it's it's, it's, it's It's a lonely life. It is a disease that provided a very dismal future. In fact, it was one of those diseases that was just hopeless. You just literally fell apart a terrible terrible situation and so again envision here that these 10 lepers you weren't even supposed to be go near a leper and here these people they rush up to Jesus and we see that Jesus does not run away from these lepers he says then he looked at them and he said go show yourselves to the priest and as they went they were cleansed of their leprosy now let me explain that here to go to a priest. The priests were the ones who who were the ones who said, You have leprosy and you are banned from the community. Now leave. And if it was if it was shown that your leprosy was healed or you got better, you could go to the priest and plead your case, and the priest could now allow you back into the community. Some miracle happened and you were healed. So that's what Jesus was trying to do. It was kind of a demonstration. A lot of times when God heals people, it's not just for that person's healing but it's to reveal his glory. And that's what, God, that's what Jesus was doing here. He said, I want to reveal my glory to these priests. And so that, that's what they're going to do. And so as they still have their leprosy, and they begin to walk away, and all of a sudden as they are walking, their leprosy is fading away. I don't know if you've ever had a, a terrible disease or anything like that, but just, just like, okay, God, and he tells you to walk away. And as you're walking, you're like, oh, my goodness, something is happening. Something is happening. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Would, wouldn't you do that? And you go to the priest and, like, remember me? I was the outcast of the community, and now look at me. Isn't this awesome? So Jesus sent them to the priest, and, and, and they were healed. healed. But after the miraculous healing and life transformation and being allowed back into the society, look at this, this next part. Look at their response. It says in chapter, or verses 15 and 16, only, only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This was a Samaritan. Now, I think this is interesting. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew back in those days. This was like the ultimate and racial conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews. I'm not going to get into all that. But these two groups of people hated each other, despised each other. They did not talk to each other. They did not acknowledge each other. They just, you did not. And here you have a Samaritan man crossing those, those boundaries, those racial boundaries, going to this Jew, Jesus, and saying, thank you. I don't know what you did. But thank you. I have been redeemed. My life is back. The disease is gone. Thank you, God. Only one of ten. Verse 17, Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said to the man stand up and go your faith has healed you. On of the 10 only one expressed their gratitude to God. The other 9 they took their blessing for granted. I would say that these people these men were ungrateful. Psychologists tell us this that that there are four levels of gratitude. See if you can find yourself in this in, the, in these levels. So level one is this level of ungratefulness. And these are people who, who are constantly complaining about their circumstances. Again, we go back to the Exodus story. And if you read the Exodus story of, of the Israelites coming out of slavery out of Egypt, and God is delivering them. I mean, this is like a leprosy moment. He set, he's set them free from slavery, the, slavery uh, the leprosy of slavery. And as these people are marching out, they're complaining because the food's not good enough. And it's hot out here. And, and, and then they would start saying, we want to go back. We want to go back to our slavery. They were complaining. They were, the, the Bible says that they were murmuring. Maybe you, you maybe have somebody in your workplace who murmurs. Somebody who, who murmurs is somebody who just constantly complains about the leadership, complains about the, 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 uh, the experience that they're having, the, the conditions. It's always like, can you say anything positive? And so you know that you have an ungrateful attitude when, when you find yourself murmuring all the time. Some people ask, why did it take 40 years? Why did it take 40 years for these Israelites to go from Egypt into promised land? It's, not, it's really not that far. And I would say it was because of their murmuring spirit. And I just wonder, maybe in your life, Maybe the holdup. You ever wonder, what's the hold-up in my life? I would ask you this. Could it be that you have a murmuring spirit? Let me continue here. Level two, these are people who take for granted what they have. They're not necessarily complainers. They just never give thanks or recognition. You give them something, oh, hey. It's mine. I deserve it. You know, I think... This was me growing up, to be honest with you. I think I've shared this story before that my parents, they, they helped me to get off to college, and, uh, and they were helping me financially and helping me in other ways. And, and I just remember, like, my parents like, how come you never call? You know, it was not the, the day of the cell phone. It was one of those, those pay phones. Everybody know what a pay phone is? Is there anybody who doesn't, honestly, you would put quarters into this family? But I never used the quarters. I would just call. This is a collect call. How many of you know what a collect call is? Okay. And so I would call my parents collect maybe once a month. And my parents like, thank you for calling us. Now we know that you're alive. And I remember like one day walking down the hall. And and, and this, I don't know what happened. I just must have woken up and had grown up the next level. And as I was walking by this payphone, I thought, yeah, I should call my parents. Yeah, duh. And I should thank them. And I remember making that collect call and my mom answering the phone. I think I've shared this before. And, and my mom said, thank you for calling us. <laughs> like, yeah, mom, you know, I was just thinking that you guys have really have done a lot for me. And I just wanted to call and say thank you. And I remember my mom, like, just crying and weeping. And I remember my dad getting on the phone, what did you say to your mother? Like, I just just want to say thank you. Like, no, you've helped me out a lot. What do you want? (laughs) I want to say thank you. Because I had taken things for granted. Level three is thankful only when things go right. These are kind of like can we, sometimes as Packer fans we get like this. Only when things are going right do they get our praises, but when things aren't going wrong, yeah, well, it's because of this, and we complain and like ah. And then there is level four, and it's what I again I call an attitude of gratitude. What is an attitude? An attitude is made up of what you think and what you do and what you feel it starts with what you think that's where it starts starts with what's going on in your mind and what goes on in our mind and then it begins to drop and leak into our heart and how we feel and then exactly what how we feel determines then how we act right that's that's how it works right that's how it works in my life and an attitude in my eyes is a reflection of our faith. Let me say that one more time because I think that needs to stick. Your attitude is truly the reflection of what your of your faith. Your attitude is reflection of what you believe. And so, an attitude of gratitude is someone who is living a thankful life. No matter what, they are always thankful. Always thankful. Let me let me talk about that. Let me. What is and I'm going to talk today about what is an attitude of gratitude, and how do you get one? All right, let's go. First of all, I would say an attitude of gratitude is number one. It's an understanding. It's an understanding. The first step is to understand where all of your blessings come from. I'm telling you, own this this morning. This, this is like one of those transforming moments when you own this. First Chronicles 29, 13 through 14. They're calling out to God and they said, oh, our God, we thank you. And they're having one of those toda moments. They're recognizing what God has done for them. And we thank you. And we praise your glorious name. I don't know what was happening at that moment, but they were giving praise to God. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? You know, Because they were thinking like, wow, look what God has just done. Like we could give him one of these and we could just give him one of these keyboards and give him a drum kit and we could give him all these things. But, but then, they, then they said this, everything that we have already comes from him. I'm telling you, when you own that, that changes you. Just think about right now, just kind of take a, a survey of all the things that you own, that you have. Your things. All those things. Your home, your car. You, you might say that they're, they're yours, but really, some of them, it's still the banks. <laughs> but really it's all it's all gods your children that bothers people your children are gods everything that you have that you think that you possess it's not yours it's not yours everything we have comes from you and we give you only what you first gave us it's not yours it's it's not by your luck that you have success in your life. It's not by your ingenuity, your hard work, or your wit, or your wisdom. Everything that you have, it comes from God. All of your blessings, listen to me, when you own this, it will change your life. All of your blessings that have it come from your life, they come from God. Yes? they come from God. And so it's something changes when we recognize that it all comes from God. And it seems the sooner that we realize this, that something changes inside of us when we recognize it, when we own this. That's why, I don't know if you notice this, if you're new to Thrive Church, you're just kind of getting back into church. That's why we start our services with worship. Have you ever got, I'm sure this has never happened to you, okay? And especially today, because you got an hour to sleep in. You can thank me for that if you want. <laughs> you got an hour to sleep in this morning. Maybe you come into the parking lot, somebody, going. that's my parking space. Somebody's parking in my parking space, and the kids are upset, and you're upset with your spouse, and you come into church, and you're like, oh, you better hurry up. The Packer game's going to start here. And then how many of you notice sometimes you come into a worship service, and you're just feeling, oh, I didn't even want to be here today, and then worship happens And then as you get into worship and you participate in worship, all of a sudden something changes. How many of you have had that experience before? Because all of a sudden you're taking your focus off of yourself and you're putting it on God. And I say, wait wait a second, those words up there, yeah, I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded of that today. Because when we worship God, we're reminded who he is And when we are reminded of who he is, we are reminded of who we are not. And then so we acknowledge his blessings and his grace. And then all of a sudden, our attitude begins to change. Life seems to come into perspective when we give God the worship that he deserves. Amen? So let me ask you, what are the blessings in your life? What are the blessings? You know, uh, a few weeks ago, I was invited to attend a silent prayer retreat. In the, uh, man, it was just a neat experience. But one of our, the sessions that we sat down, one of our exercises where we were supposed to just kind of go off and we were to just write down our blessings. And as I wrote, I had to stop and say, thank you, God. And I remember that moment. Thank you, God. Yes, yes and how healthy, what it, what it did to my soul, what it did for my spirit. And wouldn't it be great if you took time? What if you, you just committed, you say, this Thanksgiving season, I'm gonna take one hour and I'm gonna write down my thanks. Or, or I'm gonna take, you know what, I'm gonna take this season, the rest of the days, up until Thanksgiving, I'm gonna write down A blessing on each day. And then on Thanksgiving Day, I'm going to pull out this list and I'm going to read the blessings that come from God. What are you thankful for? Number two, it's a choice. It's a choice. Your attitude, listen to me, we're talking about attitude of gratitude. It's not based on our conditions. It's based on your choice. Your attitude is not based on on your conditions, it's based on your choice. When you read through the book of Psalms, how many of you have read the book of Psalms before? And man, the, the, the David said that, the word of God says that he was a man after God's own heart. But, but David, man, he would one day be up and the next moment down and the next minute up. But it, but it, here's a guy who just gave, but he just determined to give praise to God. He says in, in Psalm 34, one, he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. Not just some of the time. Not when things are just going good. But no, I'm going to give God praise when things aren't going the way that I would like them to be. I will constantly, everybody say constantly. I will constantly speak your praises. So David, you know, like I said, he went through some big challenges in life. But instead of blaming God... For his problems, he gave praise to God for his blessings. Did you catch that? Instead of blaming God for his problems, he gave God praise. He chose an attitude of gratitude. And again, I would say right there, that is what, what gave him the title to be a man after God's own heart. You know, in the book of Philippians, Paul, the apostle Paul was in prison And and, and it was injustice, it was not fair, he was being falsely accused of a crime that he did not commit, and he knows that any time that they come to his jail cell, they could be taking him out for his execution. I mean, so I, I don't know if anybody's been in a situation like that before. But here the Apostle Paul is, and he's sitting in his prison cell, and he's writing letters. And so he's writing to the Philippians church, and he says this. One of the things he says in Philippians 4, he says, always, everybody say always with me. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I will say it again, Rejoice. Rejoice, always, not just some of the times, but always. Rejoice means to give genuine praise. Give exceeding praise to God, even in your difficult circumstances. Listen to me. Praise, if, you, if some of you are interested in spiritual warfare, which we're all engaged in, you, one of the, the most powerful weapons that you have is Praise. Because what praise does, remember what I talked about earlier, it, gives your, it gets your focus off of your problems, and praise gives our focus to God. Do you know how much that irritates the enemy? We talked about him here a few weeks. But what if we were just say, you know what, I'm going to engage in spiritual warfare this week, and I'm just going to give God praise. Even in the midst of my challenge, even in the midst of my problems, I'm going to give God praise. It happens in your choices you choose to give God praise number 3 it's in every circumstance 1st Thessalonians 5:18 again Paul speaks up he says be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus all circumstances is everything every area of life is an opportunity to give thanks he Used to work with this a family pastor in our last church, Pastor Tom Barrett. And he would just every circumstance, thank you, God. Like Tom, do you do you just did you just hear what what was happening here? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. No, he, just could, he just could not go negative. Everything, his response was, thank you, God. What was that? What would it, what if that was our response? Someone once said, if you can't be thankful for what you receive, be thankful for what you escape. Matthew Henry was a 18th century Puritan preacher. And he was, one day he was robbed and he was beaten by some thugs on the streets of London. And he wrote about this experience and he said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. What a perspective. And I think the Apostle Paul had this same perspective when he says in Romans 8, 28, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And and a spirit of an attitude of gratitude is knowing that even in the negative and the difficult challenges in our life, God is working for the good. God is working for the good. I don't like it. I don't like it, but God is working for the good. Melody Beattie said this, gratitude makes sense of your past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Number four. An attitude of gratitude, it's shaped in your thoughts. Here we go back to the mind. Remember, remember Paul back in prison. He continues on in his conversations in Philippians 4, and he says, listen, he says, don't worry. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about everything and anything. Instead, how about this? What if we tried this? What if we prayed about everything what if we just told God what we, what we need? Right? That's what we did here. We practiced that, oh, by the way, as a church. It's like, hey, we got this heating unit issue going on, God. So you know what? Let's just stop. Those who are cold, stop complaining. Bring your blanket to church. God, this is what we need. We give that to you. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for what he has done already. Thank you, God. When was the last time you said those three words together? Thank you, God. Can we just practice that that right now? On the count of three, thank you, God. One, two, three. Thank you, God. I don't know if you know this, but those are powerful words of praise. If you don't know how to praise God, just say, thank you, God. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand you know, Paul just gave you the equation for peace right there. The equation for peace is stop worrying, pray, and thank God. Stop worrying. Easier said than done. But when I pray, something rises up within me. A faith rises up. And you know what? I thank God. I, even though I can't see it, I know he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. Peace is an attitude that is shaped by your thoughts. I'm almost on here. Paul says this in verse 8. He says, so one thing, this is what you do. When you're in that place and you have an attitude of ungratefulness, sometimes we need to fix our thoughts. Fix our thoughts. Begin to think about things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Because Paul is reminding us here, your attitude, it starts with your thoughts. It leaks down into your heart and it gives lived, it gets lived out in our actions. So in closing this morning an attitude of gratitude. That's what I want to have. in this season of thanksgiving, and not just thanksgiving, but I recognize what Paul says, that what God has done for me, he has saved me. He has redeemed me. He has set me free. I am free indeed, and so I'm going to live out an attitude of gratitude. How many of you are with me this morning, you're going to live out an attitude of gratitude, but I need to first, I need to recognize that it is an understanding. It's a choice that I make each and every day. It's in every circumstance, whether I like those circumstances or not. It's in my circumstances, and it's shaped in my thoughts. It's right there. So this morning, as we close out the service, what better way to do what Paul has said than to end this service with communion? Right now, I'm going to ask that you just begin to prepare your hearts for communion. Understand that Thrive Church, here we serve an open communion. You do not need to be a member of our church to take of the elements together. Everybody is welcome. You are encouraged to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If there's anybody here who did not receive the elements as you walked in, will you raise your hand right now? Keep your hand raised. We have ushers who are going to come and share the elements with you. Keep your hand raised. But let's just talk about that here. Do you have Jesus Christ in your life? Can I I just tell you something? I want you to know this morning, wherever you're at in life, God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. But the problem is, is our sin condition. And our sin condition, it causes separation from God. You know it. You know that that problem exists. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again so that you could have freedom. God sent you the solution to your sin problem, and that is Jesus Christ. But you must choose you must choose to receive that. And so I ask you, before we partake of communion, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord? And if you have not done that, those who are watching online, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord, just follow along with me, each and every one of us. Just this call out, just as simple as this: say, God, I need you. I recognize what you did for me on the cross. You paid the price for my sins. Thank you. I'm asking you to come and live inside of me and to change me from the inside out. Forgive me of my sins. I choose today to live for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, if you you prayed that prayer for the first time, I ask that you just take one of those guest cards that that are in front of you today and just check that box and put your name down. And we have a gift for you at the guest center in the back. We want to give to you to help you grow in your faith. But the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when that happens. So can we just give God a, a moment of praise and thanksgiving for his salvation? For his salvation. And so... In communion, what we do is we remember. We don't ever want to forget. When we forget, we become ungrateful. And so at this moment, we, we hold this piece of bread, hold it together. Lord, we, we, God, we are grateful that, Lord, you became that sacrifice for my sins. You paid a debt that I could never pay. You laid down your life as the ultimate servant leader I don't ever want to forget that. I want to be grateful. So I remember and I thank you. Let's partake together. And he took the cup and he said to his disciples, he says, This cup, it represents the blood that is going to be spilled for you. That is the ultimate sacrifice. Do you know that life is in the blood? And it's through the blood of Jesus that we can have eternal life. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was poured out for us and the sacrifice on the cross and your death, but more importantly, your resurrection, that you are alive today. And so we partake and we remember. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can you just do that right now, right where you're at? Just, right, just say, thank you, God. Just mean it. Say, God, thank you for what you did. Lord, I pray that all around in this auditorium today and those who are watching online in the 715, that you would give us this attitude of gratitude, Father. That, Lord, you would turn this sorrow and bitterness into a spirit of joy and peace. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Let's give God a shout out this morning. Give you praise. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.